0: Welcome to Free For All, an episode-by-episode podcast about one of the most endlessly fascinating television shows ever made, The Prisoner. Each week we'll be taking an in-depth look at the 17 episodes of The Prisoner. I'm Chris Bainbridge, Senior Lecturer in Broadcast and Creative Media, and I'm also a Prisoner devotee. And I'm Kai Ross, a film writer,
1: restaurateur, and Chris's mate, which is how I got this gig. (laughs)
0: Checkmate. Ah, damn you. So, directed by Don Chaffee. Indeed. And the writer was...
1: Gerald Kelsey. And this is another early, early draft, pre-kind of shooting kind of thing where he was banding about ideas. And um, he, in a video with, it's on YouTube, Mm. we might put it up, he's been on holiday, I think, in Germany and had been to this uh, castle which actually had a huge chessboard in the garden. And legend had it that uh, the baron who used to live there used to get his retainers to, to do exactly what happens in the, in the episode, to actually play chess pieces. Mm. Once they were captured, they were beheaded. Uh, oh, don't and, worry. Yeah. Not allowed here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Queen will protect you. <laughs> <laughs> he told this idea to Markstein, he, he read the, this first draft, mm. and there's the line where the guy says, yes, I've had, I really enjoyed that as if he'd actually been playing chess himself when he was simply being <laughs> manoeuvred by somebody else. And, and Markstein fell off his chair, apparently. So that's brilliant, this yeah. embassy. That's what a great statement. Which you do think was a uh, would have liked that? Yes. And you can imagine Markstein go, oh, but more allegory.
0: But Get stuff. What I love about this is, is that I'd always assumed this was Magooin's idea. Yes. This, this, he came up with this idea. And it's interesting that Kelsey... Yeah. Came up and had carte blanche to come up with basically anything he wanted. This
1: is like the like last week with Anthony's scheme. This was, yeah. this was basically uh, ideas, please. Yes, and it's from episodes like this that I mean, this is such an iconic episode, and this it's is probably the most iconic episode. It's it? only the third episode produced, yeah. So we're right at the very beginning. People, well, you said the prisoner to people who've heard of it, mm. the, the the first things in their head Rover, the bouncing ball, maybe the umbrellas, and people standing on a chessboard. Or or more specifically Maguian
0: standing with the cape yes. and holding the pawn which is such it's pole it's on the, it's on the front cover of the uh, of the of the faircloth mm-hmm. in fact there's a range of action figures uh, coming as a Kickstarter. Have you seen them?
1: I have. They're quite interesting,
0: aren't they? Uh, they're all... They could do with be, having a greater th- variety. To be fair, I think the the, the, the designs that were, were shown are basically just the initial ideas. Because people were commenting that one of the figures had the badge number six. Mm. And, of course, he doesn't wear the badge, does he? I think so some, it's just of one moment.
1: It, some of them have actually got it... The, you can see the badge there, but it's covered in black.
0: But it'd be nice to have
1: you know, a, you know, a various number twos as well. Yeah. To actually, get a full action figure set. I think this is becoming a thing now. Have you noticed this? Yes. In HMV, they've got like Universal Horror action figures. Yes, but all, Yes. All, the, the packaging is always the same Star Wars toy.
0: Yes. The bubble and
1: uh, um, the, the yeah, uh, yeah. To, to basically to appeal to all of our childhood uh, well, dreams.
0: Well, B and M do the, um, like Doctor Who figures, which yeah. are like from like 1960s three episodes, like really obscure episodes oh, for yeah. the general public, not for Doctor Who fans, but, you know, there's like a uh, censor rights figure like <laughs> back in 1964. I saw some Star
1: Trek II action figures in b like quite yeah. recently. It's like, this is getting niche. Yes. This, I, did, yeah. I did find young Frankenstein, Monty <laughs> Feldman action figure. <laughs> They've got these very detailed Jaws action figures as well, which is yeah. brilliant. There's a Quint one where he's called Sam Quint. Oh, even even in the book, it, it kind of makes it clear he doesn't have a foot. It just says Quint. Oh. He's never called anything. Somehow he's called Sam. This is news to me. Mm. Yes, but it, it's a brilliant, brilliant action figure. He's got yeah. like sort of buckets of chum and a and a knife. <laughs> so it'd be nice to actually have a range of prisoner because, of course, yeah. they're also wonderfully different. Mary Morris in a Peter Pan
0: yeah.
1: uh, stance. Nesbitt with his glasses. Yes. It'd be great. I'd, I'd buy them all. <laughs>
0: yeah. Complete set. Um, we have an interesting guest star here with George Cloris, who was no stranger to ICC. No. But he's only credited as man with the stick. I, 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 I,
1: sure. I, I, he's a count, isn't he? He's kind of, he's outed as a possi- yeah. possibly a count. But what I mean?
0: That, that man with the stick has a completely different connotation. Yeah, it's Vic Reeves. Vic Reeves. <laughs> What's on the end <laughs> of your stick, Vic? <laughs> so. It has a completely different connotation based on when we were watching it in the 90s. Yeah. That George Colors was playing Man with the Stick. And then Bob Mortimer was playing Man with the Stick on uh, Channel 4. <laughs> <laughs> Probably that same evening. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, Rosalie Crutchley. Yes. Who plays Queen, or the Queen. Yes. What I like about her performance, there's almost like a childish innocence about her. I thought she was... Adorable. She's like that—a girl that's in primary school who would follow you around and want to be part of, of yeah. whatever you were doing, and enthusiastic. And uh, she, she was just wonderful. I
1: mean, in the scenes where he's kind of rude to her, I, I really didn't. Yeah. I, I, I Don't talk
0: to her like that, Maguin. There is a naivety and an innocence in her in her performance. But when she's,
1: um, when she's when uh, she's essentially hypnotised into being in love with him, yeah. And he's just really offhand. I I, I kind of I, I you know, don't don't talk to
0: her <laughs> she's but she's
1: she's delightful
0: yeah she makes a lovely hot chocolate yes <laughs> <laughs> in the, the Marion pottery
1: yes no she's that she's a, a, a she kind of plays it in a way that no other character in any of the series plays mm. a role she really stands out yes
0: in her lovely sun hat yes her, her bubbly sun hat <laughs> we have a new supervisor basil Dignam. do you know much about him Oh, I know he was
1: on a lot of ITC stuff.
0: He was. Did you know he used to be a lumberjack? Was he OK? <laughs> <laughs> he was an ex-lumberjack. But do you know who he was married to? No. Mona Washburn, who uh, played uh, Alice Fisher in Billy Liar, Schlesinger's... Uh, oh, my God! Same as it was Tom McCourtney. Courtney. Yes. They were a, a couple. And Finley Curry. And Finley Curry, who appeared yes, earlier on indeed. in Chimes of Big Ben. Which is a lovely little... Connection. But again, another new supervisor. We've had Earl Cameron, we've had uh, Basil Digman. Swanick's having a bit of a rest here. Or maybe Swanick wasn't intended to be the long term supervisor. I think he's just become an iconic supervisor.
1: Yeah. I think maybe, I don't know. I mean, I know he died quite young, didn't he? Mm. Maybe he just wasn't in the best of health and they had to keep sort of
0: bringing others in. Or maybe they just wanted a different supervisor every episode yeah and sometimes they would use stock footage or they would use uh, recorded footage orange alert well that that shot's uh, eight times and it's the same shot isn't it Um, but it does raise an interesting question but um we're then introduced to rook ronald rad yes or number 53 which reminds me a little bit of brian cox Uh, Yes, I know what you mean. The actor, not the physicist. (laughs) Brian (laughs) Cox. Yes.
1: uh, No, you can't do Brian Cox impressions from Succession because they're Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ronald Radd. Mm. A classic bit of how old do you think they are. (laughs) It's crazy, isn't it? Ronald Radd. When he made this episode, he was 37. 37. 37 that's i would just, i he at the same time he he crops up in a lot of things i remember him in the saint and at least two episodes where he's playing yeah. usually a, a frenchman or a russian or something like yes, that yes henri he, Flambeau. oh yeah, yeah. There, there we go and he, i'm sure he had a daughter who was oh, 30 was years old or something like that three appearances in the saints oh yeah he's a, he's a constant itc presence but yeah. i if you had to just guess 60 wouldn't you
0: yeah well, maybe maybe late forties, early fifties, but that that uh, really shocked me when I found out because he was born in nineteen twenty nine, yeah, and this was produced this, this was shooting in nineteen sixty six. Mm. You do the maths, and you, maths <laughs> math, or math, as maths. The Americans
1: might say. Um, but, yeah, apparently, a bit of a bit of a character yeah. in a nice way. Uh, he, was, he was he was he enjoyed his time up in Port Marion, Apparently, he was uh, he had a, 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 a very enthusiastic personality. He was good fun to be with. Probably of all the episodes this is probably the most port Marion e brilliant use of port Marion it's just the, the the camera just follows rad everywhere yeah and and it's, it's but you, also, you, get to,
0: you get to see more more of Port Marion yes. I think than in anything you see the drive in as well don't you Yes, yeah yeah yes which I don't
1: think you see in any other No, episodes. I don't think you do. Um, but if they had, it was just sort of like let's get as much footage of this mm. place as we possibly can, and it's really effective mm. um, because, of course, it's—I mean—it's such a staggeringly beautiful, uh, unusual place. Yeah. But they make full, full use of it. Even the beach, yeah. which is uh, usually when they cut to the beach, you, you know, they're usually going straight to a set. But yeah. no, they pull back. There it is. They're, they're on the beach. There's Port Mary in the background.
0: There is a little bit of a giveaway set uh, uh, with one, the boat, isn't there? And also with the.
1: Oh yeah, you can sort of see, can see, that see the it's just a blue.
0: Screen. It moves a little bit during the fight. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> they won't get knocked back into the blue screen. <laughs> and I think there's a couple of bits like with the uh, the tent, one of those one of those bathing tents. Mm. I think some of that's, uh, but it, it matches up pretty well. Yeah. actually. yeah, it does, it does. Um, but it's a, I mean, it, uh, that's another reason why it's um, it's one of the most, I suppose, iconic yes. episodes. It yeah. would it would be, it would be a, a good one to sort of show people. Yes, this yeah. is with uh, oh, the prisoner. Yeah, watch this. And I think they get a full sense of pretty much everything. It's got a nice little, ah, at the the end, pull back. And and very very clever the way they do it, when it looks like he's actually in the boat with them, but he's Mm. actually on the TV screen. And just, yeah, and hoisted on his own petard,
0: this one. One thing I noticed is the repetition in the announcements coming over the, the speakers. Go on. There's, there's a sinister quality to them. Pawn to Queen's Four, Pawn to Queen's Four, Pawn! It, there's like three repetitions sometimes of the same announcement. That's, yeah, and it's overlapping as well. Yeah, it's sinister, but it also gives it that urgency
1: yeah. as well to Are set you, you off balance. I'm, I'm, this is t- I'm threatening you now. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm not asking anymore. Yeah. There was a, also, from the first shot, this is the first
0: episode, isn't it? That opens with a. I don't know how you, you don't know how to describe it. <laughs> Do this. you that's know what like was, aperture? I'm glad you mentioned that. It's almost like a. a, a it's like a pinhole white. Y- yes, but uh, and, uh, but that's not what it's called, and I don't know what the term is. To my shame, but it is. It's like a, a from black to white yeah, using zooms a, in. Yeah, but, uh, but that goes with our circular globe iconography idea. I as did, well. Yes, it's also like the bond. Opening as well, isn't it? Precisely, yeah. So maybe it was a conscious decision to make it feel a little bit like the opening of a Bond film. Mm. Who knows? And uh, again, a few sort
1: of lines like, you must be new here. Yes. Which puts it right at At the the beginning. beginning.
0: Yeah. There's another interesting thing here is that they talk about the cult of the individual, that this game satisfies the need for power. Mm. It also kind of has a little bit of connection with governments And putting self-interest ahead of the people. Yeah. Because in this game, it's satisfying the need for power of the two players. Yeah. They just want to win whatever cost.
1: Yeah. But the the, the fates of the people involved are irrelevant. irrelevant.
0: They're just pawns to win or lose a game. Mm. And that's becoming more and more true in a lot of governments. Well, yeah. Self-interest ahead of the people. It was ever thus. But, yeah, particularly now mm. it seems... But uh, then we have the general conceit of number six being able to judge by attitude, which he explains for the yeah and for the, the, audience. the
1: The man with the stick, aka the count, mm. is quite upfront in this. Uh, he ma- he makes this point uh, mm. ahead. This is almost uh, number six is slightly foolish to not to not quite understand what he's saying. He's yes. almost explaining how he's going to be undone, yes, by this theory, and uh, he doesn't listen. Well, he sort of, I think he just misunderstands, or he's, perhaps he's arrogant. Mm. There's quite an interesting thing here. The way that McGowan plays the part in each episode is often slightly different. And if you watch his performance in this episode, he's aloof. Yeah. He's a bit... Uh, the way he says to, uh, to the Rook, you're obviously subservient, so I knew you were... Uh, mm. And it was, like a, it was a bit of a run thing to say. Yeah. Like, well, how dare you? But that, uh, that's his undoing. It's exactly, but he, it ha, he has to be like that in this episode
0: because mm. that will be the thing that undoes does Somebody has to take control. And there's a dynamic thing as well. He is the alpha male mm. in, in that group. He, you know, when he's talking to the painter, he's talking to uh, Rourke, he's talking to the shopkeeper, he's clearly the one who's the alpha. Yeah. Um, And of course, that's his undoing. There's also a little bit of an off-edit here as well as uh, we see the man with the stick in number six walk towards the shop. I I, I noticed this. Okay, action. All right, they
1: start walking. They clearly aren't in the middle of a walk. (laughs) It's like, we're going to start walking now. But it's forgivable, isn't it? I know, I know, I know. Stuff like that. They kind of it doesn't so much take you out of it yeah. it kind of puts you into the the actual location
0: when they were doing it because yeah. you can still imagine they will go, okay one two three stop, go one <laughs> <laughs> you can tell this is not the episode as well because it focuses on the escape attempt yes yes. Um, and one thing I need to make clear is from like, when I said about uh, Many Happy Returns being the last episode he really tries to escape I mean in production order not yes. because obviously in this episode he's trying to escape mm. but of course in production order this is way before yeah, well, yeah, Many yeah. Happy Returns then we see the, um, the scene with the rook being conditioned. Yeah, the Pavlov stuff. Yeah, Pav- the Pavlov's dog mm. drinking the water and the conditioning, Yeah, you know, and uh, social cues, and you will conform. Mm. And we all learn this. You yes. have to conform to these societal cues.
1: You will conform. Apparently he actually did get, uh, he got so method that he was unbelievably thirsty yeah. in real life. I don't know maybe they actually did just lock him in a room and turn up the heat. But it's a, he's,
0: he's so believable, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's great. He's a br- brilliant, brilliant actor.
0: What I quite like is Six is walking around the the village with his newspaper yes. and using the chess thing to write in, <laughs> crossing out numbers. and.
1: Yeah, I, this was pointed out to me. I didn't yeah. sort of just spot this, but it's clearly uh, a chess Game cut out of an actual pe- paper and, yeah. and stuck, stuck on. onto a real one. Apparently, there's, there's talk about some uh, fl- a flood in Kidderminster
0: yeah. if you actually read the rest of the paper around it. But you wouldn't have seen that on a television. No, a no small no, television no, no, no. in 1967, would you? The,
1: the whole his, the whole plot of of trying to work out who would resist and who isn't. Mm. It's, it's kind of it's very clever. It's it's kind of odd the way he just walks around sort of, sort of looking at people and the mm. way they look at him. He's think, yep, yeah, you're one of me. Yeah, you're you're on my team. Yeah. said, so, really,
0: I'd like a word. you left or white. Yeah. But that's true in society as well. I mean, I remember moving to London and everybody seemed like that. <laughs> <laughs> You'd speak to somebody, they'd be like, ignore you or they just be... Yeah, even if rooting. it's a waiter.
1: Oh, sorry. I don't...
0: <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk about is the doctor's hubris. You know, she's so confident yes. that the rook is cured. <laughs> but this is an expert who has actually got it wrong. And, and it's this validity of information or this hubris of my treatment has worked... you won't need to worry and then the (laughs) next scene no it hasn't (laughs) (laughs) but it's ego isn't it ego sometimes gets the better of people and ego is put in place of research it's put in place of empirical evidence in place of fact because somebody just wants to save face Mm. that's a very human trait though isn't it really. and of course she's full of it in this we also see the return of the shopkeeper Dennis Shaw Dennis Shaw now do you know what
1: I, I didn't know anything about this, but uh, mm. just a, a little bit of uh, research on Dennis Shaw. Sure. Um, apparently, he was something of a roustabout. Yeah, he was. Um, he had a reputation as being possibly the rudest man in Soho. <laughs> <laughs> I did read somewhere that he he, he had a, just a reputation of being incredibly rude, yeah. uh, owing lots of people money and yeah. never paying them back. Apparently, Christopher Lee said that he started the fight that ended up with Oliver Reed getting slashed in the face. <gasps> Because he was like that. Um, apparently, this is from Ned Sherrin. Yeah, and apparently he told a story about a woman uh, walking up to Dennis Shaw in a pub or something, saying, um, "Are you, uh, are you Dennis Shaw?" Says, "Yes, but why the hesitation?" And she said, "Well, it's such an awful thing to ask anybody." <laughs> So he, fantastic! So, uh, this I don't know if that's, that's apocryphal or not, but yeah, he had something of a uh, a, a reputation. Voice of, he had a he had a reputation, fantastic. and in fact, I, I like him I, even more. Yes, and I heard that he. I mean, if uh, you remember Hammer into Anvil, mm. he's no longer the shopkeeper.
0: Yes, he's replaced. Uh,
1: he? he was replaced because apparently he had a bit of a falling out. He had an altercation. Ah. on set so if anyone could shed any light on shed any light oh, yeah. on that so we'd be very intrigued but uh, cuz he seems so delightful yes he's got a so even his voice is a bit like uh, leela kay Mm. From to this kind of uh, hello there, he's this, he's soft lilt to it, isn't it? Yes, yes. So to find this out is extraordinary. He Brilliant. was in cold. He was in the coldest story. He played mm. a, a a memorable camp guard, I think. Something like that. I think that was his most famous. He was the guard of the camp. His guard of the camp, <laughs> yes. but uh, a, a wrongen. Mm. But I think that was his most famous part, apart from this, because yeah. he's so, he's so, he's he's, he stands out. Yes. Yeah, and it's quite nice to see him again. You know,
0: the return. Uh, uh, oh, the the, the next appearance of Castech Daydrith. Yes, yes. Seen in Arrival, and uh, now seen as the as the hospital once more. Yes, indeed.
1: Which if you've uh, if you've not been to Port Miran,
0: Castech uh, Daydrith is just up the road. Yes,
1: uh, and it's also
0: you'll pass it on the way in. Actually, won't you? It's the first the car thing you will pass. Yeah, yeah, and
1: it's uh, it's it's also a very very. Wonderful hotel, and uh, you can stay there and eat there, and
0: it's, yeah. it's glory. It's beautiful. Yeah, highly recommended. Mm. And we have not been paying commission to say that. <laughs> we also see B Duffel, uh, who it's her first appearance, but it's actually her second broadcast appearance as the wonderfully fringed psychiatrist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> but this would have been her first. Appearance, but again, she re- returns, doesn't she? In uh, yes, yes, schizoid man. There's an
1: interesting line in that when she's doing the sort of the word association thing, yeah. where it says love, game,
0: hope, yeah, anchor. Uh, it's Pavlov to drink out huh? but you know, there's a lot of psychology in this episode as well. Mm-hmm. So you've got Pavlov, yeah, uh, and then you've got word association as well. Yes. Now, I'm surprised the Rorschach test hasn't <laughs> appeared in, in this episode as well.
1: I guess, I mean, the whole episode is essentially a, a chess match mm. between the two. Once you start watching it a couple of times, you realise it's an interesting watch because he's, he's losing from the start. Yeah. He's always been set up to think that he's, he's winning.
0: But the, the doctor says something quite interesting because number two basically says, you know, any, anything, any abnormalities. Mm. And she says um, he has a negative reaction to pain. And number two says, well, he can't really hide that, can he? She goes, well, t- The ability would require superhuman willpower. Mm. Which, of course, he does. Mm. I mean, because not only a number of times he's been
1: resisting pressure, even when he's asleep, mm. even when he's uh, dreaming.
0: But there's also a, almost like a, a, an idea that they put in there that this, he's something different, he's something special, he's something beyond a normal man. Yes. Not a Superman, but his negative reaction to pain and being able to resist gives him uh, a, not a superhero quality, but a, a heightened personality or a heightened character. It's just a little throwaway line that's in there. But I wonder if they were planning to, to build on that. There's, uh, going on the psychological, there's also some behaviour therapy as well for number eight. Mm. Uh, the opposite of aversion yes. therapy in that, you know, she's conditioned to love I suppose it goes back to the condition as well, but it, it, it's almost uh, behavioural. Again, with the tracking yes, locket yes. as well.
1: Well, it's, maybe it's maybe that ties in with what, what uh, Sick says with the word association, love mm. is game. It's not real, it's kind of dismissive.
0: Yeah, but she tracks his every move. Yeah. Like in chess.
1: But, uh, t- <laughs> yeah, but uh, to actually t- 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 think, to be to convince somebody that they're in love mm. with somebody, I mean, that's that's actually quite almost... I mean, the, one of the wonderful, most wonderful things about love is why it's, we're all so obsessed about it, is yeah. you cannot put your finger on it you can't qualify it no So why i don't even know why i'm in love why why did i ever love this person was i in love with them it's just such a
0: totally mysterious thing yeah and it's such a reductive or something you have loved and then one day you wake up and and you don't you don't yeah so why is that you know it's chemical imbalance or whatever but yeah yeah no scientist has ever worked out i'm sure people claimed hadaway once said what is love Baby, don't hurt me no more thing i am noticed when they go around, you know, <laughs> nicking things <laughs> <Yeah>. for parts, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we see the telephone box and it's something that didn't really pick up on in Arrival. But now we know the internal geography and, and dimensions of the village and we see that on the map. Mm. Why do they have a telephone? when yeah. You could just walk. Well, that's, and in, in, in fact, he says, um, yeah. you know, if
1: it's an emergency, we walk. Well, despite Port Marion being actually very small, mm. the way they shoot
0: it, it could be a massive expense. Yeah, but it's not, because we see the map. What I'm, My point is, this is a prescient yeah. thing, because you'll find now that there are people who work in offices who are quite happy to send an email to the person in the next cubicle <laughs> or just down the, the corridor, yeah. because they can't be bothered to go and <laughs> walk. And it's... I wonder if this is one of those elements. You've put a telephone in a very small area yeah. to highlight the fact that you can call these people, but it's actually quicker to just walk and knock on their door. There's number two's residence, but no, I'm going to call a switchboard who are then going to put me through to number two. Yeah. So it's almost like a laziness. And I wonder if that's intentional, where McGowan's talking about technology and our, how, how we don't respect technology we're just quite happy to improve it's, and improve it's, it's, there, and it's, the, it's
1: the illusion of uh, being there to service us yes uh but it just simply just makes us lazier
0: but and that happens in the film wall e doesn't it yes yeah of course yeah you know where they become corpulent oh, well, holiday makers on some kind of cruise ship yeah they don't even they don't have muscles no. to actually stand up they have to be god do you know what i mean
1: that came out how many over te- well over 10 years ago mm. And, and oh, isn't it brilliant the way it's predicting this? And then uh, no one ever, no one ever, no one ever sort of listens to, no. to stuff like that. Isn't it amazing the way it's predicting what's going to happen to us? Yep, yeah, we could just stop doing that yes, it's actually a warning yeah. it's not some, some prediction thing it's saying look if you don't stop doing things the way we're doing it now that's what's going to happen to us we'll all be these massive kind of slug like creatures just kind of being sh- ferried on surfboards around yeah. doing constantly sort of our every whim taken care of stop it we have to stop it no no
0: it's brilliant and number six actually says everyone's near in this place far too near far too near yes so I think I think that's an intentional and I missed it in Arrival Mm. Because you don't have the context of, of how big the village is, yeah. But what purpose has that telephone really? No, but apart but from it, it's a useful conceit to to get the parts that Rook needs to yeah. build the transmitter.
1: It's quite interesting. You have the other camera that
0: they uh, dismantle.
1: Mm. It's the first time you see a camera. Normally, it's a statue. <laughs> yes, and it's this kind of strange, kind of box brownie type. Yeah.
0: Not very weatherproof. No, I mean unless <laughs> unless they've removed the hood. Maybe there is a a hood over it, or a bust over it, and we don't just don't see that. I think it's just kind of just brevity. I think the audience
1: needs mm. to understand it's a camera. Yeah, it looks like a camera. If they have to sort of, why are they dismantling a statue? Oh, give it two minutes, two minutes, and <laughs> yeah. to it's, it's too much time, time Cut as well. straight to it. Yeah. But it looks uh,
0: incredibly ineffective. Yes, it's, uh, it's it doesn't look very waterproof. No, no, no. Yeah, it wouldn't last five minutes, really, would it, with Welsh weather? <laughs> 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 Another thing I'd like to talk about is that number six is a pawn. Hmm. Throughout the Queen's Pawn, which is the original porn. title, yeah. wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, but he's a pawn throughout the episode. Although he likes to think himself as a knight, mm. and I and I notice this is when he's looking in the mirror. Mirror is shaped like a knight's shield.
1: Well, I didn't spot that.
0: And I thought, and this goes with his behaviour as well, is that he's not acting like a pawn, like the rook and the shopkeeper. He's acting. Like one of the guardians, yeah. guardian. He's acting like a knight. Yes, he thinks of himself as a knight on a crusade to escape and leave but that village. He's delusional act, and he's reminded that he's a pawn. Mm. Yes, by the end of it. Both Angela Muscat's Butler coming in. A brilliant shot. Yeah. that's the poor. Actually, that's you. That's also a nice l- look at self-image as well of how people see themselves. Yes, you know, and you can see this in social media now of how people portray themselves, how they portray their lives or they embellish or they create these fantasies that they want people to look at and like or feel jealous or feel that they want to be, like influencers.
1: Yes, and and so many people's profile picture, particularly mm-hmm. young people, are these digitally and yeah, filtered yeah just filtered but this, this that's that's not even they don't even human they look like sort of studio ghibli mm. cartoons they've got these massive eyes yes. and these the It's lips. not a reflection but, of reality. But yeah but it's like this actually I prefer this reality. Mm. This is my idea of reality. It's not
0: reality. No. And I, th- I, th- I th- it's incredibly damaging. But that's what happens to number 6. Mm. He sees himself as something else and the village compounds and reminds him you are a pawn
1: Yes, and it, but it goes and again it, it's, it goes back to the way that McGowan plays him in this. Mm. He plays him as this uh, rather sort of um, highfalutin, type. austere almost, isn't he? He's aloof, austere. He's aloof. He's austere. He's, he's, he's very. He's quite brash. Mm-hmm. The way he sort of talks back to everybody, and it's it's his, it's his undoing.
0: And after that scene, going back to Rosalie Crutchley, there's a lovely mm. little scene where they're having hot chocolate together. Appar-
1: apparently, that was shot
0: later it was a bit it? of an afterthought yeah. and they had a bit of trouble there,
1: there was a well on the um, the, the text commentaries mm. on the thing the, the room was full of these huge massive uh, technicians and camera operators yeah. and they had to all take their shoes off so they couldn't be heard because <laughs> the camera was moving about so quickly because the yeah. actors were moving about so the, this wonderful scene when you watch it of picturing these tiptoeing <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of gaffers walking around there but it, it's a lovely scene and you know there's a lovely scene where he he, you know, he does his classic sort of get out. Yeah, and then she's too, oh, I'm very upset, and then he yes. sort of goes. Sorry, the sorry, weakness sorry. number yeah.
0: six is weakness.
1: Yeah, but he, this is the way he says it. Sort of, you know, you know, bothering me.
0: <laughs> he, <laughs> he, can't resist, he can't resist.
1: He can't resist a crying woman. No, but she. But I, I couldn't resist that. She's so sweet. But no, it's a, it's a lovely sort of touch, and it kind of needs that. I can see mm. why they felt ah, we're
0: missing something, and and that scene gives it. Did you notice Rook's towel when he's on the beach? No. First of all, he's wearing a white robe. He's the white rook. Yeah. Um, he's also got a heraldic-style towel. I, no, I didn't see that at all. If you look at, at the towel that's over his shoulder, there's almost like this heraldic design pattern on there, <laughs> which feeds into the whole chest, the knights, the you know the heraldry and things like that. So the production design on this is... Always brilliant, mm. um, and and also the scenes with Wingard and uh, the Doctor. You've got the black and the white. A lot of opportunity for black and white monochrome to compound the chess metaphor.
1: Yeah, I mean the chess model, as we said before, it's it's appeared several times. It's mm. uh, uh, it's in the flooring. It's just um, yeah, but yeah. And, and you kind of think every episode really is basically a chess match between between him and authority.
0: But this, but but, but this now, is now we, all we know concentrated in this episode. But now we know it, it was Kelsey's idea. Mm. And not McGuinn's. It's something that McGuinn's loved and gone with and run with. Yeah, you know. I think at the beginning he's looking for these ideas. He's got an i. He's got some idea, but then he's surround himself with the right people. Yeah, and things flourish.
1: And it's it's worth mentioning of course if you go to they still have the Prisoner Convention mm. held at uh, Port Marion and naturally almost the highlight of this is the a restaging yes. of the chess match you go there now but uh, they, it's restaged yeah. which must be just so much so much fun to, I don't know I don't know who gets to play yeah. I don't if they, I don't know if they just restage it. As in move for move. Because most apparently most of these moves make no sense. Yeah. It was a nightmare
0: to shoot that scene, apparently. It would be more fun to just have your own game. Exactly. As it? you see. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and maybe skip the beheadings.
0: But, um, of course, we find out that Rook is assembling the pieces mm. for uh, the transmitter. Almost like number six is assembling the pieces. Yeah. On his personal chessboard for escape. And then it's ready. He does the mayday. And then the Polotska, which is a reuse of the boat from Many Happy Returns. Yes. It's the same boat. Yeah. But it's been rebranded, <laughs> the, uh, the Polotska. It's a word that doesn't exist. In fact, there is a, a town, um, there was a town in Russian Poland, 60 miles west, northwest of Vitebsk which was taken by the Russians from the Poles in 1579. Sounds like uh, the general, doesn't it? Uh-huh. it? It was taken by the Poles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's the nearest thing. So it's a, a, a kind of a Russian word. But when he's broadcasting, uh, you know, the, obviously the level the moment with the paper which yeah, it didn't remind me of black out Yes.
1: <laughs> we'll
0: but there's a lovely moment which um, the supervisor tunes into this distress call and yes. contacts number two and says, there's a plane crash. There's a, there's a plane going down. Shall we help them? Mm. It's almost like this altruistic uh, intention, to... isn't it, from yes. the village to help the, the, the down plane because they don't realise it's number six. Yeah. They think it's an actual plane and then he says, oh, the Polotska's in range, I'll let them, let them deal with it. Yes, yes you know but it sounds I mean it could be sinister let them deal with it but it also could be altruistic in that they would aid, aid and assist there is something um, I mean for all the the sort of sci-fi elements hmm. of this
1: and there's a brilliant I mean the first shot uh, of, of Rover coming bouncing down the, uh, hmm. the road and everyone suddenly goes just yeah. to the other side of the road stops and freezes apart from Man with a Stick Count with a Stick yeah. for, for all that the actual escape attempt hmm. is kind of
0: Cold it's like. I've got that in my notes. What cold it's? Now I've got World War II feel.
1: Yes, I mean, the, the, the
0: searchlight.
1: That was the, the thing that made yeah. me think of it. We've got to knock out that searchlight. Gotta knock out this. It, normally, it's kind of we need to sort of work out how the raid to stop the yeah. force field from. The, there's none of that. It's it's quite. You know, they're using instruments, uh,
0: tools. Yeah,
1: it's you know, they, they may as well be digging a tunnel. Yeah, which yeah. is quite nice. Which is it's like the Great it, Escape, isn't it? It is, but it, it it keeps it a little bit more grounded, mm.
0: and it's just really quite effective. And we're only talking twenty years since the end of the Second World War, so it's still fresh in a lot of people's memories. And people yes. like Ronald Rad or maybe just maybe some people who are you know in their forties would have served. Mm. In World War Two, So it's still fresh. I mean, 20 years ago for us is the millennium.
1: It's I, I know. That's so depressing. So we,
0: you can George. imagine, like, 9-11. You know, that's, that's how close 20. World, the end of the Second World War was to the prisoner. You know? Yeah. It's... It's crazy when you think about it.
1: I know it's that, that kind of stuff. Occasionally, I'll, I'll catch myself realizing things like that, mm-hmm. and I almost just want to drop to my knees and start
0: weeping. I really like that fight scene, though. The it's in the, really uh, well choreographed in the tower. In the tower, yeah. yes. It's not just your usual fist <laughs> da, 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 punch da, 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 six feet away da, da, from da, someone's yeah. head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da theme. <laughs> Insert fight music now. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Peter Wingard uh, rehearsed that karate chop for. Ages, and he actually did that. Why, why didn't they show it? They just show his
1: hand coming down, and you hear it snap. Yeah. And then they pull away, and it snaps. It's possibly the least impressive bit of karate yeah. that I've ever seen anywhere. And it just what a wonderful look in his eyes. I gave strictest orders not to be disturbed. Yes.
0: It's a, <laughs> it's, I think What's it's he doing? just showing that he's self-contained, that he's in control of his anger, isn't he? He's in control of his, uh, yes. of his power, almost. It's an odd choice. I mean, he could have been doing yoga or something, couldn't he? Or uh, maybe pruning some flowers or something. That's a bit Jason Kingy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which we'll come to shortly. Yes. And I think that th- there's a questionable moment in this where um, they, they basically go into number two's room, tie him up. Yeah, the old the old ITC. No, I'm getting and he puts his hands out ready, doesn't he? He's like, no, not again. Well, it's always, <laughs> I'm used it's, to being tied up. It's almost like
1: part of the plan. He knows it's part of the plan. How disappointing!
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's what he's, yeah. He's, he says it's how disappointingly sort of workmanlike or something yeah. this escape attempt is. Yeah,
0: number six goes out because the boats appeared on the radar <laughs> too early. Hasn't too it? early. Yeah, and he makes a conscious decision not to go back to help.
1: There's a there's a when he when he says that yeah, that's no, too early, and then a sort of, i uh I uh, need to go down. There's, the, the way he says that, it's almost mm. like
0: a, I'm I'm lying. I'm. He's putting his own self interests ahead of the others. Yeah, he's the way, used them.
1: He has. And there's a moment on the beach where he kind of looks back and, do I go for it? And he goes for it. Yeah. And he, and, he, and like you say, yeah. Well, you're going to get what's coming to you. Yeah, you've you've earned this. It's karma.
0: Yes. We've we've neglected our supporting artist of the week. It's time to bring back yeah. supporting <laughs> artist of the week. And we've got a very special one this week. Go on. None other. Than Australian soap star Terry Donovan. <laughs> father of oh, Jason. Jason. Yes. Yes. Who is he playing? He plays one of the sailors oh. on the Polotska. Oh, the one who says. Uh, I, I think he's the one who helps him aboard. You don't really see his face. Mm. But Terry Donovan had, had, was British and he'd started in quite a few British productions before moving to Australia. Yes. So he was Brit. And they moved to Australia and he did things like Neighbours and various other Australian shows and had family, had Jason. He he was in Neighbours as well, Jason Donovan's dad? Yeah, he was Doug Willis. Doug Willis? Yeah. He was quite a a famous actor in Australia. But it's lovely that he started on British shows, especially The Prisoner. Now, I remember seeing this at the time, so he was appearing on, on BBC One in Neighbours and I remember the name Terry Donovan or Terence Donovan and then seeing the credits for The Prisoner and seeing Terry Donovan or Terence Donovan and thinking, nah, they can't, it couldn't possibly, it's just somebody with the same name. But yes. But then with the advent of the internet and things like that, you realise, oh my God, it's the same guy. (laughs) And and I'm sure a lot of people already know this, but I think that's a fantastic little bit of... uh, I think he's... He, Trivia. I think he's very much earned his
1: right to be art, supporting artists of the week. Oh, definitely. Yes, we need to bring back that, uh, that bring that back as a regular feature, I definitely, think. Definitely, definitely,
0: because we haven't done it since um, Free For All.
1: Yeah, that was just
0: absent-mindedness on our part. I know, apologies. <laughs> so, one person refers to the Polotska as a ship. Yes. And one person refers to the Polotska as a boat. Mm. What's the difference? Oh, God. Um... <laughs> I found at least three. It's the kind of thing
1: when you say, uh, oh, uh, they're sitting on the back of the boat. The back of the boat? You're the stern, you mean? What's yeah. Towards the left? To the left port, you mean? <laughs> yes.
0: oh, sorry, it's a ship. No, a ship! <laughs> well, one of the explanations is that if you call a boat a ship... Yeah. Right? The captain won't be annoyed. But if you call the ship a boat, they'll be offended. Oh, right. Uh, one other um, <laughs> definition I found was that a ship can carry a boat but a boat cannot carry a ship. Do you know what? I'll I'll have that. I quite like that one. I like that one. So if it can carry a dinghy or a a little boat on the back, then it's a ship. Mm. And then there's another one about masts and things like that. So it's one of those things, isn't it? It's one of those, you know, synonyms that people just use (laughs) willy-nilly. Who's the two? I've been waiting for this for a long time. (laughs) Peter Paul Wingard. Yes. Or or Cyril Goldberg. I know. Wonderful.
1: I... um, a little bit of research on it. I'd love the fact that it's a lot of it's uh, uh fa- fabricated. Yes. We don't really know when he I know. or where he was
0: he managed to keep all of this mystery. Well, he never claims he claims he was born in Marseille. Mm. But there are other sources who say he was born in um Singapore. Yeah. And apparently on his death certificate it said that he was born in Singapore. Yeah, how wonderful! There's a lot of contradictions of his own biography and autobiography. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> test like
1: you get you get that with blues artists yes. uh, when you he, when he look them up. this a uh, thought to have been born. Yes, it's, I don't know. They've managed to create a whole sort of mysterious backstory to their yeah. whole life. But
0: even his birthday of 1927 is in doubt. Mm. So he's roughly born around 1927. (laughs) I think that's fantastic. That just adds to his mythos. He lived in Shanghai. He knew J.G. Ballard, the Mm. author, as a child. Apparently Empire of the Sun, which was starring Christian Bale, was about Ballard's experiences in a camp, wasn't it? Yes. And apparently Wingard was in one of those camps and that's how he knew Ballard. But was he? Exactly. Exactly. There's a delicious kind of
1: uh, mystery.
0: But J.J. But Ballard has gone on record of saying that he knew Peter Wingard mm. from
1: childhood. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, he's quite... He, I mean, he said... he he. Yeah, he, he'd known McGowan uh, for a while. They were good friends, apparently, according to Wingard, mm. anyway. And he was even saying that he was touted as being the permanent number two. He yeah. was going to be the... Which is a contradiction, isn't it, to what Darren Nesbitt said. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but, mm. I mean, he is. I kind of wish he had done more. yeah because he's such a marvelous uh, antagonist and just never breaks uh, he's just he's he's per- cat like yeah and um he's 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 a he kind of when you when you think back you would imagine he'd been more into cuz he he made such a huge impression yes and this i don't know did this probably sort of
0: springboard him well this i mean he arrived in the UK <laughs> Nothing that he may we, have arrived He may in. have arrived in about 1945 after World War II. Um, he, he predominantly a stage actor. But he was in a film called Night of the Eagle. Yeah. Uh, with a very famous number two. Oh, Colin Gordon. But of course it is. Yes. You can even guess that one, couldn't that
1: you? That was... Because um, whenever you think of Night of the Demon, mm. uh, uh, Night of the Eagles, that was brilliant. It's a yeah. really effective kind of ghost story. Yeah. And he's funny. And he was also, speaking of ghosts, he was also, oh, going back to Quint. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, Quint the Ghost in the Innocents. Okay. Uh, so he was, his, I don't think he sort of gets to do much apart from appear in windows well, looking he, very sinister. He was always seemed to be
0: cast as sheikhs or Arabs or, oh, really? <laughs> doesn't he, in like uh, Danger Man or uh, the or all that kind of thing. He'd come up as some kind of foreign <laughs> diplomat or, you know. <laughs> but he has that look, doesn't he? He has that... Um, you know, there's something exotic about him. Yeah, His dark hair is dark. He has just a tan. High
1: cheekbones is the the you know, very memorable eyes and everything. Yeah. But it's the voice. Yeah, silky, just, like adds, rich chocolate. Yes, I mean it, it, it's it, it got to a point. I mean, particularly after this, famously, he became Jason King. He did in Department S. Yeah, and became the standout. Well,
0: Department S originally the the character of Jason King, this playboy novelist. Mm. famous for his Mark Cain novels, was originally going to be like an Oxford Don like a, or a Cambridge professor, yeah. you know, who they would bring in as a as a consultant. And, of course, Wingo gets the role, which he apparently took quite... It was apparently quite difficult to work with. Yeah. And eventually he signed his agreement on a napkin, is the, is the story. I don't know how true this is. But, of course, he became the standout character. He wasn't the lead. It was Stuart Sullivan's character, or Joel Fabian, his character, who was supposed to be the lead. Mm. And then... Wingard just becomes the breakout character of Department yeah. S. And in doing so, he became almost the most 70s thing mm. ever in Jason King. Yeah. He gets his spin-off. It's the only ITC spin-off, I think.
1: He, yes, that makes sense. In like, the I in the can't, early can't, 70s. I can't think of another one. No, I can't. But he and he was an absolute Megastar for oh. about sort of two or three years. He did an album of it. He did, yes, self titled,
0: which was republished as uh, When Sex Raises Its Inquisitive Head, <laughs> which is a fantastic title. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I know you sent me one of, one of the tracks. But it's been, there's one of them, he's like hello, come uh, in. Take a, a coat off. It's a bit like sort of uh, Telly Savalas when he did his uh... Birmingham.
1: Oh, did, you, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But no, when he did his album, he did. He got to number one, didn't he? With yeah, if, if, which yeah. is a very sort of spoken word. <laughs> but, yeah. but the Wingard one is exactly the same, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, like a tear running down her face. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good.
0: Yeah. But um, uh, do you know what his nickname was? Go on. Petunia Winegum. <laughs> was that Morecambe Wise? I don't know. I always thought that Petunia Winegum. <laughs> and he was such a fashion icon. Yeah. You know, the the handlebar moustache. Oh, people were influenced by Jason King, by Peter Wingard. Oh, you see, I mean, you see sort of documentary footage of
1: people in, say, sort of 1972, three, mm. four. They all look like this. Yeah. They have the hair. They have the moustache. Yeah, but he did the did it open first. shirt. Yeah, yeah he the did mass, it first. the open shirt. It's, it's. it's oh God, I mean, it's like something out of Anchorman. Yes, it's, it's so yes. absurd. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's actually incredibly hard yeah. to imagine a time when you look at a photo of Peter Wingard as Jason King yeah. to think anyone would have looked at like that and gone, "That's my look. That's how yeah. I'm going to dress for the next two years."
0: But I he loved this. He this struggled with. He struggled with alcoholism. <laughs> throughout yes. the the seventies. I mean, he was very successful. Mm. Um, and of course, there was that incident, there which I don't a, want to dwell on too much, no, but there no, was no, a gross no. indecency charge. Uh, and a lot of people just assumed he was gay mm. uh, and that he'd had this, this, in, this you know, meeting with somebody in a, in a, well, didn't in a public he, place. He also said that the love of his life was Vivian, Vivian Lee. Lee. Yeah, but again, great. I think that comes down to labeling people uh, their sexuality. Yes, yes. You know, it's, it's like we just, you know, we have to have a label. They have to be straight. They have to be gay. They have to be bisexual. They have to be pansexual. Well, that's, the,
1: that's the press? He isn't probably it? didn't
0: buy into that. And but of course, at the time, homosexuality was made legal in '67, mm. but there was still that stigma yes. attached to it, and it did damage his career. You know, it, it took him a while to recover from that. And of course, I think that probably fueled the alcoholism as well. Yes, yes. But you know, going from a household name to having that. Millstone around your neck because no, he, he was married. Yes, you know, and he lived with uh, various women, and of course, he mentioned about Vivian. lee I think it's unfair to, to put a label on, on his sexuality. Oh yeah, Peter he's, Wingard he, he was just was, he was he was, he was Peter Wingard. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <there> aren't. <laughs> Peter Wingard. He was a lot like no, no, he wasn't like no. He there's no he's one unique. like he's it's absolutely unique. Mm. Even when um, in Flash Gordon, of course, which is possibly ah, his other famous role, which yeah. you, you don't even see him as Clitus. But Clitus. <laughs> but, now, you, but that voice it, That's all you needed Yeah I'm sure I'm,
0: I'm assuming he did a lot of voiceover work He was in the comic strip as well, wasn't he? He, he appeared in a, an episode of the comic strip He appeared in various Yeah, I remember um, he was comedies. in a Sherlock Holmes, One of the Jeremy yeah. Brett Sherlock Holmes But it, like I say, these are all in the 80s It mm. took a while for his career to recover Yeah You know, a good five, six years Remember was Flash Gordon, 1980? That was 1980, And yes. even then he's behind a mask Yeah you know, and it's uh, you'd recognise that voice
1: anywhere. It's it's unmistakable. I'm trying to think of a decent Flash Gordon line of his. <laughs> it
0: probably involves the boar worms. Yeah. <laughs> but did you know that he was friends with Morrissey, the singer of the Smiths? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> Which I think is brilliant. Apparently, Morrissey, there's a, a quote from Morrissey that he used to go round to his house and he'd have all these books and the bookshelf. And, you know, oh, yeah. I think uh, brilliant. Peter Wingard, a delicious creature. And also, I don't know if you know this, he has a Marvel Comics character. does oh, he? <laughs> inspired. Called Peter Wingard? No, Jason Wingard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a character from X Men. There's a character called Mastermind. And initially, Mastermind came out, I think, in the 60s. But then Chris Claremont, who was on the X-Men uh, writers, he did Days of Future Past, uh, gave him a name, gave him a backstory, and called him Jason Wingard. Has he
1: been in any of the films?
0: Not but yet. he was the leader of the Hellfire Club.
1: Oh, in okay, the Avengers! There you go. There's oh. the connection. Oh, oh. Oh, God. In that, which he played. A touch of Brimstone. Yes. Brimstone? That's right. Brimstone. It. Brimstone. Yes. But who says Brimstone? It's <laughs> not a, a town in uh, Northumberland. I am going up that, to Brimstone. That is one of the key
0: Avengers episodes yeah. as well. He, he plays was, John Cartney, doesn't he? That's right, yeah. How far? It's quite a raunchy episode. I think. m overtones. I think he got banned, largely because of the,
1: basically when Emma Peel I Yeah, what up, she's wearing. With the spiked neck, yeah. uh, the corset, like and. My friend Damien. Will remember this. Uh, there's a, uh, one of his favourite episodes, but he was talking about. Um, there's a lovely bit when Steed is re- is exposed mm. as as uh, somebody says, uh, "This is the man who's been following us." And he just looks around and goes, "He's right, you know." <laughs> rather, rather than making a run for it or sort of for uh, protesting his innocence, this lovely sort of, "He's right, you know." <laughs> Do you know about uh, Mike Myers'
0: credits, Peter Wingard?
1: Well, yes, this is what I mean. It's just, it's it's impossible to imagine anyone took this seriously, but because yeah. it's so, uh, but I think maybe, possibly that's because of Austin Powers. Yeah. It's like, I don't, it's it's kind of impossible to imagine a James Bond film now where the villain has a lair, mm. largely because of Austin Powers. You know, it did so much, not going to say <laughs> damage, but it sort of just made some things just impossible to take seriously. Yeah.
0: Uh, but the other thing as well, that's only come to light recently, is that it's <laughs> bond films generally have a negative portrayal of people with disabilities. Yeah, I'm surprised they gave Rami Malek. Mm. Uh, he's got the because
1: fa- it's been a thing that people have been trying to get rid of for a while. So yeah, you, 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 the facial disfiguration equals villainy. Yes, or any kind of sort of... metal bo- teeth. Yeah, <laughs> a hook hand. Yes, or um, uh, the, even the weeping eye. It's what does, he, what does
0: he say about that? It's just a.
1: Oh yes, matt Mikkelsen. It's, it's it's just a derangement of the eyes, or something else. Yes. No,
0: nothing sinister, a derangement. But uh, getting back to Peter Wingard, yeah. what a remarkable actor, a, a, just a remarkable. I mean, remarkable
1: a, a, man, a, 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 a singular actor. There's nobody. There's nobody like Peter mm-hmm. Wingard. Uh, nobody sounded like him. Um, I'd, I'd, it's hard to say whether he was a good actor or not He was just more
0: like a force of nature That you should really just point a camera at And something marvellous yeah. will happen But if you were to do a mood board of the 70s Britain in the 70s That's he'd, it. he'd be there in the middle Yeah, he'd be the, he'd Everything would be, the bull, he'd be the off him On the dartboard of the 1970s yeah. I mean Jason King doesn't really hold up well today If no. you watch it A lot of it doesn't make sense The plots <laughs> are a little bit all over the place But Department S I think still holds up you know this fantastic story i think some of those again it's like the magic box we talked about in episode one where abrams is basically you know says once you know how the magic trick's done That i think that's where department s falls a little bit flat is some of the, the setups you know like the first episode with the plane yeah and it lands and uh, they're saying you're late and you so oh, we're only half an hour late and she goes no you're six days late and that's the conceit is oh, and then the you know, that's the cold open and then it's the music and then it's Mm. like, ooh, what's this about? You know, they they all open with this mystery and then it basically, invariably, is Peter Bowles as some villain who's (laughs) set something up and there's a fist fight and they travel to Monaco and then they come home and then everyone's, you know, arrested and that's it. Without Peter Wingard in Department S... As, and that's no disrespect to Rosemary Nichols or uh, Joel Fabiani, who are fantastic actors in their own right? Even though they don't really give Rosemary Nichols enough to do, yeah. you know, because it's really the American leads kind of role. Wingard just walks in in every scene he's in and steals it. There's yeah. one episode where he plays a... He, he pretends he's a window cleaner. <laughs> and he does the most ridiculous Irish accent. <laughs> and then he's climbing out on the on the window. It's a little kid, kind of like pulling the t- and all that kind of stuff. And it's he it just every scene. He he has this lovely blend of authority, of intelligence, of humour. Mm. And he's just uh, you know the world was a better place when he was yes on television. No, he,
1: he was a one off. We, we were blessed to have him, but he. Uh, I, I've not. I didn't really see much of Jason King the show. Mm. I think I saw one episode. Where the, there's a, a very pretty girl, it's probably um, Susan George or something yeah. like that, sat in, uh, in, a, in an empty cafeteria surrounded by all these empty tables, and he walks in, sits next to her, and goes, "I hope you don't mind me joining you," as you can see, all the other seats were taken. <laughs> <laughs> but you think, "Oh, this is great!" But I'd imagine, I've got—I suspect a lot of it might be almost totally unwatchable now.
0: Yes. Yeah. Essentially, a predator. In fact, <laughs> Harry Enfield and chums did a very funny pastiche of it. Yeah. Called the Playboys. Yes, I remember that. I yeah, remember and that, that. was very, that was heavily Peter Wingard. It was the whole like we talked about the stock footage of Monaco, <laughs> and then they're clearly in the <laughs> studio with some pictures of <laughs> Leonardo Pisa or something, or something stupid or non-relevant up on the wall. Scores. Uh, it's going to have to be a five out of six.
1: Yes, I, I, I would agree. Five. It's a very, very super strong episode. Mm. Very interesting points it raises. It does does it well. Uh, and it, great performances:
0: Rosalie Crutchley, Ronald Rad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been the standouts: Peter Wingard, of course, no. He doesn't really have that much to do. No, but he, what, he, what he has, he, he does the most with. He doesn't chew the scenery like he does as Jason King. No, he. Um, but he he basically
1: plays it as what he is. He is yeah. the cat that got the cream early on. He knows. Uh, he's 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 fully in charge. Yeah, he he kind of he he knows he's won the chess match mm. even before he's put the uh, first. Well, it's the checkmate? Forward. Isn't it? It's checkmate from yeah, he's like well, one move <laughs> checkmate, and he's already won from like yeah. scene one onwards. So and he plays it like that. He's almost like doing his best to conceal the fact that he knows number six is walking yeah. uh, arrogantly into his own trap.
0: Free for All podcast was presented by Kai Ross and Chris Bainbridge. The theme tune was by Gordon Milton. And special thanks
1: to Jemima Dunkar for the artwork. Please see you.
0: You can find us on Twitter at Free for all Pod, or on Facebook at Podcast Free for All. And not to be one of those
1: begging, insistent types, but uh, like, subscribe to your heart's content. Uh, it all helps spread the word. You are our advertising budget, so thank you very much. <laughs>